Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hello, and welcome to the Collider Podcast. I'm Collider Senior Editor Matt Goldberg, and with me is Managing Editor Adam Chitwood. Howdy, folks. Today we're going to be talking about how there are no more movies. All <laughs> movies are gone. Ever. The, the end of movies. No. So we uh, we were debating, like, what should we talk about this week? And then we kind of looked and like, oh, look at all these release dates that keep shuffling and moving further back and further back. And, like, we're now at the end of – we're pretty much at the end of the summer movie season. I mean, there are no – there are not going to be movies this summer. Even in the even in the most generous interpretation that Tenet releases internationally on August 26th, there hasn't really been a summer movie season. So we wanted to talk about – sort of how all these films vacated their 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 movie slots and how uh, various studios have approached the pandemic with some just saying, screw it, we're moving to 2021, and others being like, let's just take it month by month and see what happens. And then we also want to talk a little bit about, like, well, what does the fall look like now? What does the rest of the year look like with this ongoing pandemic? And, and what, what do movie theaters look like? And I guess the place we, we should probably start is Tenet, which today, like just half an hour ago, uh, it was announced that Tenet is out. So Tenet was originally slated to be released on July 17th. And then Warner Brothers said, okay, we're going to push it back to July 31st. And they're like, all right, we're going to push it back to August 12th. And then they pulled it entirely. And now today they're like, okay, so we're going to release it in about 70 countries on August 26th. Uh, countries that have their shit together and know how to handle a, a crisis and don't have a lunatic as their leader and, you know, know how to behave responsibly. Uh, and the U.S. will get it a week later <laughs> in select <laughs> cities, whatever that means. So that is the current plan for Tenet. And it's just as dumb as anything else. Um, I do want to preface this by saying that I'm aware of the business uh complications here. I actually talked about it at length on uh, we do it. I, I, we started doing an Instagram live show on Friday afternoons where we talk about current issues. Thank you, Adam, <laughs> for adding squinting Leo to our YouTube <laughs> visuals. Good timing right there. But we've started doing it. Keep it ready. I, yeah, you're doing it. It's still live. Uh, I'm trying to keep a straight face here. <laughs> Uh, and we talked, and so I talked about length about tenant and sort of, you know, these theaters, like, it's not just that they're being callous, although I think they kind of are, but really their fear is that if they don't open now, they'll never reopen, that they're shut down and that they're, they're not bringing in any revenue, but they're still paying money on leases. They're still paying salaries. There's money going out and no money coming in. And there were, and and now again, the sensible thing here is just a government bailout because it's not like the theaters acted irresponsibly here and they made bad bets. There is a pandemic; it is literally out of their control. The government, you know, this is why we have a government and pay taxes is to prop up businesses, you know, that through that provide a, a service and provide jobs and help the community. Like I think we can all agree, movie theaters are good. I wouldn't say they're the most essential business, but they're a good business to have and they employ millions of people. Well, maybe millions is overshooting it. But when I think like all the way down from like the CEOs to like the ticket takers and the ushers and stuff, like it's a lot of people <laughs> across the major theater chains. Mm -hmm. um, they're worried they're never gonna reopen and they haven't had new product to put into their theaters. Um, but the other problem is, is like theaters are very bad for coronavirus. The way we know it's transmitted is that it's through droplets and aerosols. And so if you're in an enclosed space for two hours and someone could be asymptomatic or, you know, you're breathing the same air they're breathing, it's not a great environment to show movies. None of that has changed over the last few months, but Warner Brothers has Tenet, which is was going to be one of their biggest films of the year. And, you know, and now they're just like, okay, well, now we're putting it out on August 26th and like, it'll be fine. And I just don't think it's fine to release that movie or any movie. But the thing is, is that studios and uh, distributors, the theater chains are in this position where they need to start bringing in revenue. I don't think the studio so much. I mean, by this point, studios are all part of major conglomerates. Like if Warner Brothers doesn't release Tenet, it's not like, oh, and that was the end of Warner Media. 
Like it will, it'll be well, a it's a top down. It's a top down thing. I mean, you saw like NBC Universal, they laid off a ton of people um, at Universal Studios. So there's theme parks. So without it's the revenue top- coming from theatrical, right. it's like, it's all encompassing, I think. It is all encompassing, but I also think, you know, like these are multi-billion dollar companies with multiple revenue streams. Yeah. And also like, if you have like, the thing is, is like you or I cannot lobby Congress. Okay, we don't have that power. Warner yeah. Media has that power. You know, I mean, we could try. You want to go down? Try. Yeah, it wouldn't go well, but um, you know, help but, us see that, tenant. Help us see tenant. Well, and that's the thing. Like they have these these lobbying arms. They have influence. There's like the MPAA is a lobbying arm of Hollywood. Like there are avenues for them to sort of try to get the bailout money they need. But instead, they're like, yeah, let's just throw consumers into the volcano, and that's kind of what this is. And I feel like this notion. I feel like the studios have sort of broken into two camps and there's sort of like the universal paramount camp, which is just like movies aren't happening this year. You know, we're going to have some movies and we'll send them straight to VOD or we'll sell them like um, paramount decided to sell without remorse to Amazon. And just, you know, it's like, we're, let's this one, we're not, you know, I think it, it's a better fit or whatever. Universal is like, you know what, we're going to take Fast and Furious 9 and move it to April 2021. We're not going to just keep pushing it back month by month, which has kind of been what Disney and Warner Brothers are up to. Like, they're sort of being like, okay, well, let's try this. Oh, okay, well, we'll just push it back a little further. And then I think, like, last week they kind of were like, all right, let's, let's rethink this. Because Disney pulled a bunch of stuff from its yeah. calendar. Uh, and just sort of, but, but again, this notion that like, we're just a month away from fixing this just isn't rooted in reality. Like you can look at the political will that is happening right now. And right now we have political leaders who are dragging their feet so much that people aren't going to get stimulus money in time to like pay their rent. So the notion that like, oh, but the, but show and movies is going to happen. Come on. Like, look at, look, just read a fucking newspaper. Yeah, it's really rough, especially if you're not kind of clued into kind of what's going on, because, you know, in your state, in my state, we're open for business. So sometimes you look around and it's like, oh, things are supposed to be back to normal because people are doing things. Although where I live, there's a mask mandate, which I think is uh, helped greatly. Um, But this idea that we're just like going to go straight back to normal and everything's going to be fine in a month, I think, is is flawed a little bit, you know, like. So the sensible thing for Christopher Nolan and Warner Brothers to do would be to push Tenet to summer of 2021. And on one hand, I kind of I kind of understand where he's coming from, where he thinks like Tenet is going to save movie theaters because he is unique in that he's a filmmaker whose films always make a ton of money. They're very easy bets uh, and people show up. And then on the other hand, you have the theaters, which are like really need money like they, you know, they're at 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 risk of dying out. I don't know what, um, you know, the future holds for them. Uh, should this continue for so much longer? Um, so I understand, stand him wanting to be like, Hey, I'll give you kind of a boost in the arm to kind of get people to come back. But I think it's, it's naive to think that it can happen right now. I don't. And, and we saw it. It kept incrementally pushing back. And I don't know. I don't like there are other movies that exist that could provide that shot in the arm. But right now is not the time to do. I don't know. There's no good. There's no good answer because you you release Tenet and you risk people dying. You don't release Tenet or other movies for the rest of 2020. And I don't know what happens to the movie theater chains. I mean, someone will buy them. Something will happen. But the future will look very different. Yeah. Look, I again, there there was a like there was a sensible path forward for not just movie theaters, but all businesses, which is that the government basically pays all of us to stay home for two months. And like businesses are supported and floated and we didn't get that. That's what they're getting in other countries. Other countries are basically paying people to stay home and look, lo and behold, now they're kind of ready to reopen, but no one in the U S wants to do the fucking work. And somehow masks became a political issue because everything has to become identity politics in the U.S. So, but it's just, it's it's kind of maddening because you have like, I again, oh, I want to give theaters a shot in the arm. I don't think that's going to be the way to reopen theaters, to be perfectly honest. I was thinking about this and I feel like when you're talking about like, oh, what's going to get people back? I think right now you have to account for a psychological barrier that's preventing people from coming back. Like 
Tenet is like, oh, it's a big movie. Don't you want to see Tenet? And you're kind of weighing it against like, okay, that's sort of like saying like, you haven't eaten anything in in three months. Here's a steak. Like that's not like it, you don't just go from like starvation to like famine, otherwise or or to feast. Otherwise, you'll throw up. And so the idea here that will just like suddenly flip the switch back on is, and I'm mixing my metaf- metaphors, and I apologize, but. Bad English. Bad English. Um, (laughs) The way I see it, the way I think would be more feasible is, first, before you can even address theater, you know, what movies would you release in the theaters, you need to address the root cause, which is the pandemic. And you either address that through test test and trace, which we don't have, (laughs) or you wait for the vaccine, which we also don't have and might arrive in early 2021. No one knows for certain. Um, you also have to hope that people take the vaccine and you have to hope that the vaccine actually lasts and that you can't get COVID again if you take the vaccine. So there are a lot of variables here that we don't know about. But again, the smartest way, that thing that we actually have control of is a test and t- trace program and just funding businesses and and citizens to stay home. Like that's that's sort of the reasonable way forward. But without that, to me, the, the solution isn't like go see tenant, like, that's how we'll draw people back. I think you actually need to ease people back into theaters to say like, oh, this is a safe place to come. And I think studios would be wise to be like, what if we released like our popular films that haven't been on the big screen in a while? So like Universal is like, why don't we show Jaws? And Disney's like, why don't we show the Star Wars trilogy? And like, why don't we, you know, stuff that like, if you don't see it in theaters, that's fine. But people who are feeling comfortable coming back to theaters can kind of make their way back to theaters. That way it's not just all at once saying, we all have to go see Tenet. You know, it's it's there if you want it. And that way there's at least some revenue coming into theaters rather than, you know, and again, I don't think theaters should be reopened. I think that's, that is not the best case. That is not the scenario we should have. But because the scenario we should have is apparently off the table because failed political leadership, the next best solution would probably be trying to find a way to like mandate masks, you know, social distancing in theaters, no concession sales, revenue split with theaters. Like there are solutions here on the table, but no one seems to be pursuing them seriously. So that's how we get to maybe tenant will open in Canada first. And like, that's just not, it's not as good. It's not a good solution. Yeah. I don't think anyone wants that. I don't think anyone wants to be reading uh, tenant spoilers uh, from Canada. I, I mean, honestly, that's the least of my concerns, but I thought that will happen. <laughs> That'll absolutely happen. To, by the way, if this plan goes forward, Tenet will be spoiled for you. It will absolutely yes. like, and it'll be, but it'll be spoiled in some like sort of like, like hinting way. It won't be like someone on Twitter hops on and is like, like, you know, John David, is it John David Washington or David John Washington? John David Washington. John David Washington. John David Washington was a ghost the whole time. <laughs> like, it's not going to be that. It's going to be like, oh, I guess we're not talking about the reactor and like and then all of a sudden you'll be like what's the reactor and like you it'll be this little kind of thing that like like ah this is it'll be some reference that everyone else who's seen the movie but honestly man i gotta tell you fuck it man we deserve it we deserve to have that like like we deserve this like we have we're the wealthiest one the we're the wealthiest country on earth you know, and, and if this convert, can, this this gets a bunch of like tenant, like or a bunch of Christopher Nolan bros to be like, whoa, wait, this <laughs> politics has consequences this for me? me. This Hold affects on. me somehow. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe this is the great political awakening of the Christopher Nolan bros. <laughs> tenant spoilers. Of ten. Wait, yeah. tenant spoilers. No. <laughs> I mean, that's honestly that's the least of my worries. It, it's more thinking about um you know what do movies look like <laughs> in the coming months um and yeah like i don't know i i just wish i wish nolan would wait until 2021 i don't have super i mean i think wonder woman moving to october was the right call because that's far enough away that you can be like yeah it's you know we all understand it's kind of a placeholder we'll see what happens when we get there and if we need to move it we'll move it um but you're absolutely right like it's not safe to go to a movie theater right now i think that uh you know we we're already seeing states starting to close things back up um 
I don't know. I just don't know what the answer. I don't know what would make me feel comfortable to go to a theater in the next four months. And I love movie theaters. Like I absolutely love going to movie theaters. Yeah, it's I love it one too. Of my like, this isn't experience. This isn't like a screed. It's like, well, time to embrace streaming only. Like that's not what we're saying. But I feel like this is just such a horrendous misread of the the landscape right now. Like, I get that there are business considerations. I'm not trying to be like, how could you do this? I know how you how they can do this. But what I'm saying is, is that their business considerations do not outweigh human life. They just don't. <laughs> okay, there's no, uh, you know, th this is a deadly disease. This isn't the sniffles. This isn't, you know, you recover in a day. This is a disease that has so far killed almost 150,000 Americans. It has also caused people to have long-term conditions of which we are not fully aware of the long-term health ramifications of if you, what happens if you survive COVID, but it ravages your organs. So this, this concept of like, but why not tenant? Well, I can think of a couple reasons why not tenant. So, and I feel like that to me is like my outlook for the rest of the year. I can't, fathom any movie that can withstand the current landscape. Now, again, if at some point, you know, the U.S. radically changes directions and says, you know what, we got it wrong. We're going to do this big test and trace program. We're going to institute another nationwide lockdown. Masks will be mandatory. Like all these things that other countries have done. If we did that, that would change the calculus. But there's no indication that's going to happen. That has never really been on the table because the political leadership says, well, we got to get the economy started, except you can't. You can't really get it started with a pandemic going. It's, it's always been a false choice, but it's one that has been pursued. So we're kind of stuck with this. We're stuck with this until January 2021 at the earliest. If, you know, God willing, we elect a new president in November and there's no shenanigans, which is a big if, uh, from November to January, all those questions, maybe we can get on the other side of this thing. But it's not going to happen in 2020. You, I've, you have evidence from March until now. You have four months of evidence. What what more needs to be said? So what do you think the rest of the year looks like? You think no no more new movies in theaters after Tenet? I mean, if again, Tenet, if, if, if Tenet, hits if Tenet happens, to me, the more realistic scenario is the studios cut their losses with American theaters and say, yeah, we're just going to go, the, the, you know what? This is the international market's time. We're going to take it. Now, that being said, that's a big if too. Like this notion that like, it's not that other countries have solved COVID. They just found a way to live with it. But that doesn't mean that it couldn't flare up just as easily yeah. or that, you know, that there, that there are still precautions that need to be taken. So the notion that like, oh, it'll just be clear sailing here on out for international theaters, I don't necessarily buy that. Um, but I can see like, oh, Tenet did X, Y, and Z. So, you know, now our plan for Mulan will be we'll release it in international territories, but like in a few select U.S. theaters, basically saying like we've lost the domestic market for now. We're going we're moving international like that's where we have to take our business to to keep this going, which, again, leaves U.S. theaters in the same shitty spot they were in now. Like to me, the studios are completely screwing over the U.S. chains right now, which to me has always been. I mean, that's always been the way. So, you know, this this is. <laughs> it's it's I mean, very rough i mean we've already seen paramount decided to move basically entirely out a quiet place part two and top gun maverick left and top gun maverick was scheduled for december so that's them kind of reading the room and saying like and i think that's i think that's smart because even if best case scenario happens by december it's not going to be the packed holiday season that uh you know it usually is uh, I mean, we already saw Target and Walmart are not going to be open on Thanksgiving this year. I think that's due to a number of factors, but one being, you know, uh, Black Friday shopping is not going to be what it what it has been in past years. I mean, and also, it's not a when you find idea out that Black Friday shopping might kill you. <laughs> yeah, why would it's <laughs> not a good and thing. I only signed up for Black Friday for the trampling. I did not sign up for the deadly <laughs> disease. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a it's a changed landscape, not changing. It's changed. Uh, and I don't necessarily know. 
I mean, I, I hope that things get a little bit back to normal next year. Um, and, you know, looking at like how the studios have approached this, I think Universal had more leeway in like moving F9 because it didn't necessarily matter. But you look at a studio like Disney that has they have so many franchises that they will not green. They wouldn't green like Tron 3 because it wasn't big enough. Like it was not a big enough movie to fit into their slate. So it's like dominoes. You look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe and each movie leads into the next one. and It's all sequential. And this fall, they were supposed to also kick off their Disney Plus shows, which would then be released like in perfect sequence with the movies. That all falls apart. So you can't just like decide like, ah, eh, like this one is further along than that one. So we'll push this one up and we'll, re we'll release Black Widow now and we'll release the first four episodes of, you know, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And then we'll wait and see what's what. And then like, you know, likely scenario is that Eternals will probably be finished. And then they'll be able to finish one of the Disney Plus shows before they can finish Shang-Chi, which is the, uh, you know, the new movie that's supposed to come out. So I don't know. That's a house of cards. And I think they were smart to look at it and just be like, we're going to push a bunch of stuff uh, a year and and see how that goes. Because um, 2020, I mean, I keep going back to the haunting words you said back in like March where you were like, there's not going to be a summer movie season. And I was like, I don't know. We'll see. Like, hopefully there'll be a summer movie season, but like there's not going to be a movie season in 2020. This is this is a unique year. Um, you, you can't go wrong betting on pessimism and American incompetence. <laughs> you just can't. <laughs> I'm not correct. clairvoyant. I'm just cynical. Well, and I'm curious how this translates to um, what kinds of movies get made. So uh, another interesting announcement today is that Nomadland, the new film from Chloe Zhao, the filmmaker who is making Marvel, who made Marvel's Eternals, but she made this movie beforehand. It's a smaller drama with Francis McDormand, um, is going to play the fall film festivals. Now, Telluride Film Festival has been canceled. That one's in Colorado. It's a much smaller, smaller festival. Venice, I think, was was canceled is no venice, venice canceled or are they doing venice okay venice is happening. because because nomadland is playing at venice okay and tiff is also happening but it's much smaller scale and press are not like we got the press emails they asked us not to come um they're doing they said yeah they basically said you can yeah you you will you will see these movies virtually but we don't know what those movies are like this could yeah. be a like in a normal year like if, if this year had been normal we'd be like oh you know, we're going to go to TIFF and like, they'll probably show us like Mank, you know, we'll see the yeah. new David Fincher movie. Like that would have been a safe bet. And now it's like, maybe they just hold Mank to 2021 because if they think it's like a real awards contender, they don't want to mess around, you know, not getting it on the festival circuit proper. Well, that's the other thing is that the um, Oscar season has been pushed back by two months, uh, which means the vote, the eligibility window was pushed back two months so whereas you would normally release something in october which would be like a key ideal time to release it maybe now it releases in december so even though netflix already has mank like in the bank like it's it's in post-production or done by now um that may not come out until december uh and like a film like nomadland like select cities but i don't see a ton of people i mean if people aren't going to go out to see tenet i don't think they're going to go out and see nomadland um no. And it's the smaller films that are that are hurting the most. I mean, you think about, you know, one of the best movies we saw this year was Promising Young Woman at Sundance. And thus far, I'm thankful that Focus I'm, Features... Sorry, <laughs> I'm just thinking of an alternate universe where everyone's mad online about Promising Young Woman. Oh, yeah. That, that movie's going to be happen. so divisive. It's, People I, will be guys, very mad about that movie. People don't um, even know. <laughs> but it's it's a great and incisive film um and i'm glad that it hasn't gone straight to vod because that's a film that i think will cause a lot of conversation but even the straight to vod thing or premium vod thing i don't necessarily think his you know it's not like this uh exploding thing that you know oh my god the paradigm has shifted and no one will ever go to movie theaters again like you know i saw like some people watched trolls and like we watched emma uh and like i rented irresistible i don't think anyone else did um but it, you know, you haven't necessarily seen a bunch of people building up buzz for some of these titles that have gone straight to premium VOD the way that uh, they may have if they were in theater. So even something like You Should Have Left, which is the Blumhouse film, um, I didn't really see much buzz for that. I, I don't see no, I, I don't see premium VOD killing the theatrical experience. I haven't seen anything on premium VOD sort of being like, this is such a film that everyone needs to see 
pay twenty dollars yeah. right now for this premium VOD title. Like I just haven't seen that take off in the way that like you've seen. I saw far more buzz for something like The Vast of Night, like on yeah. Amazon. Like people were like way more excited. And I think that's it makes it an easier recommendation when it's on streaming. It's like, hey, you already subscribed to the streaming service. Why not just watch this thing rather than, oh, here's an extra cost in the middle of a pandemic. Well, that's what like, you know, Extraction, I'd argue, is one of the biggest hits of the year. Yes. Um, and we can see that from traffic and from buzz perspective. But to your point, people already had Netflix, so they were like, yeah, I'll watch it. Like it, yeah, people didn't it, have to it, go that extra step to, to rent it. Right. If Extraction had been like a $20 movie, no one would have talked about it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I don't think the paradigm has necessarily shifted to premium VOD. That being said, I would be curious. Like, I don't think studios have really put their heavy hitters into it yet. Like they've been sort yeah. of being like, oh, here's a myth. Like if Tenet were a premium VOD title, that could have, that would probably be like, oh, everyone has to see this right now. Yeah, like that would be an event that would be huge, but Christopher Nolan's like I value the cinematic experience, and what that well, means is being uncomfortable in a theater during a pandemic. <laughs> well, and what and I was just talking about this to my fiance. International box office is huge. Like it is a major part of how studios like set up their finances and how they build their slate. It's the reason why over the last decade, blockbuster films are fairly simple in their plotting, not too complex, because they need stuff to play well in all international territories. So if the U.S. is falling behind, if the U.S. is, you know, just a, a disaster right now in terms of theatrical experience, but studios can still make money internationally by releasing in theaters there, where they've kind of got a handle on COVID, um, they're going to do it, like, you know, and leave us in the dust, yeah. uh, which I think is how they all feel whenever movies come out here first. Um and I'll be curious to see if that becomes a thing. Like, is, gosh, I'm trying to think. I mean, if Tenet succeeds really well internationally, I I would not be surprised to see them put Wonder Woman 1984 out internationally. No, I again, if they, if this is the, I can see this as a new paradigm if Tenet is a success. The question is, is how much do you need that U.S. box office, especially when, you know, you have major, you, it's not just like the U.S., but like, New York and LA are these major film hubs. God damn it. <laughs> Every time we pause, just know that Adam is showing me the squinting photo of Leonardo DiCaprio for those who are just <laughs> listening to the podcast instead of watching it on YouTube. Um, From Inception. Yes, thank you. Uh, you know, with... You see, and every time I lose my train of thought, so thank you very much. Yeah, if this paradigm shifts and... I hate you so much. <laughs> I hate you so much. I can easily see a situ situation where it's like, yeah, now it's just international first, but you still need like, you know, what about New York and LA? And New York is in a better position now than they were in April and May. But like LA is, is really not is going very poorly right now. So I don't yeah. know like how that all shakes out for us releases. And again, like, you know, maybe I'm in the minority here. I don't, some people are really freaking out about piracy. Like, oh, if you release it internationally, it'll be pirated. Like, it'll be pirated here. Like, shit gets pirated all the time. I'm not saying I'm not saying that excuses it, but like, nothing has stopped a person going into a movie theater with a camera yet. You know, like, it, there, it's you can film literally anything on your phone right now. Like, it's. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I, I think piracy is is bad, and I think that should be you know, curtailed, but the, the, the thinking, like if only it had been released in the U S first, it would have not been pirated is not realistic or a reflection of how things actually work. Yeah. Although I'd argue there's if, like far increased interest with no, if there is no like idea of when the movie will, ever Oh, there will definitely be like, I definitely think there'll be, I, I'm talking about like the mechanism of piracy, like someone pirating. Oh, yeah. But I think you're right. Yeah, there will be an increase in illegal downloads for sure, because there are going to be people like, as is always the case with piracy, like who just feel entitled to being like, well, I didn't cause the pandemic and I want to know what happens in Tenet. So fire up BitTorrent. And, you know, the, the reality situation is, you know, if that movie comes out on a Friday internationally, two hours and 45 minutes after it's open, there'll be an entire Reddit thread with the entire plot up on the internet. And that's where the spoilers will come from. Entire plot. Yeah. And people will say, Oh, I see, you know, I saw on Reddit uh, that it said blah, blah, blah. But you know, the to be honest, 
What about the reactor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tenet spoilers are, are the least of my concern right now. I I really want to see it. I'm very much looking forward to this movie. I'm a fan of Christopher Nolan's films. Um, we just haven't earned it. It's it's kind of like Christmas and Santa being like, nah, you guys have been bad. Like, you're not getting presents this year. You gotta wait. Well, yeah, you're, yeah, you guys fucked up. The actions yeah. have consequences. By the way, for those <laughs> listening, I don't know if Tenet has a reactor in it or not. I'm just making <laughs> up a word. I'm just saying a word to, to, as an example. But yeah, no, I, I mean, this is kind of what we deserve. Like, we had a chance to stop this. The, this, this, None of this was inevitable. None of this was, yeah. well, this is just... You know, this is how it would have played out under any presidency, under any time. Like, this is how it would happen. It's like, no, we know how to. And the fact that other countries have beat have beat COVID and like, you know, that the fact and that their lives have gone back to normal, like. Tells us that, like, we screwed up and like the yeah. U.S. is only exceptional in our dumb fuckery. So. <laughs> Love to be an American. Yeah, let's let's never talk about American exceptionalism ever again. <laughs> Listen, I love Hamilton. <laughs> sure. Good 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 seg. Um all right. So yeah, in terms of like what the rest of the year's year this year looks like, there is a possibility that tenant changes things. I'm still on the side of movies aren't coming back. And I especially think about this as you know, again, you have to kind of look at the whole board. And what we're seeing right now is that in America, politicians really want to throw kids back into school, not because they give a shit about education, but because the economy needs kids back in school and we must all serve the economy gods. Well, what does, how, how eager do you think anyone is going to be to see Wonder Woman when there are millions of sick children <laughs> across this country? That's Bra the brace, brace yourself for that. That's the X factor hanging over this entire conversation, and and I don't want to come off as insensitive towards any teenagers or or middle schoolers who are listening to this podcast of us saying like, God, I would never sit in a movie theater for two hours and them staring down the barrel of going into a school for eight hours a day. Yeah, like this is by the way, like we're, we're relatively like this is small potatoes about like what about tenant? Like we know one. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the, we're 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 entertainment journalists. Like this is what our beat is, but like we're not trying to say this is more important than anything. Uh, the, they're obviously far more pressing issues. Um, no, but I, I but, but I, I think could, I could issues are interconnected. I think they're connected yeah. to what we're talking about. Well, and I could foresee the argument that, like, well, if I'm being forced to go to school, like, going to a movie theater is not necessarily any more risky than me going to school every day. Um, and, you know, as we've seen over the last, God, what, four or five months now? Like, it's impossible to predict what the world looks like a month from now. So I well, don't so know what... Is it, though? Is it? I would, I would push back and say, no, it is a little predictable. Like, to me... With specificity. With specificity. But I would say, like, this note, like we're still going to be dealing with COVID a month from now. Like, that's the thing. Like, I yeah. feel like, yeah, I just, I don't want us to adopt the, like the Warner brothers position. Like, well, maybe it'll be, it'll be changed, <laughs> you know? No, that's not what I was getting at. Oh, okay. I was literally saying, I have no idea what the world looks like a month from now. I have no idea if, you know, now there's been an order and all schools are closed across the country. Yeah. I have no idea. I, yeah. I just feel like, Again, yeah, if you're a kid, like, oh, I'm, they're forcing me to go to school. Why don't I go see a movie? And the problem with me with to that logic is like, well, this chamber of the revolver was empty, so I may as well spin it again and see if the next chamber of the revolver is empty. It's like one of them has a bullet in it, and you can keep spinning it, but they're both risk factors. They're, you should not be – we know – we have the data now. You should not be in an enclosed area where people may not be wearing masks for extended periods of time. So that's that's the long and short of it. And and schools and movie theaters like don't have a solution to that. I think what we'll see more of uh with regards to like the entertainment industry is is stuff like Paramount selling off without remorse to Amazon, which is kind of a big deal because without remorse was supposed to be the start of a franchise. It's based on a com Tom Clancy series of novels. Michael B. Jordan is the star. He was going to star in another sequel that would be a Rainbow Six movie. So, and it makes sense for Amazon to take it because Amazon's new kind of directive is following the Jack Ryan series, which uh, is very popular on there. And those kinds of stories, um, like, does Amazon have franchise rights to it now? Like, is that how it moves forward? Is that, you know, what happens next? With theatrical distribution up in the air for the next 
six to 12 months, who knows? Um, is it is it better for a studio to sell it off and get some cash now versus holding it for a year or so and then potentially reaping box office rewards then? I think what Paramount did with Without, Without Remorse was pretty smart because as we've seen, there's no such thing as a sure thing at the box office. Um, you even look at something like Bloodshot that actually came out earlier this year. Like that didn't seem like that's like, I feel like if Bloodshot was still being held, it would be sold to Netflix or something right now. Cause yeah. that's the kind of movie where you can't really guarantee much box office. I mean, maybe you release it internationally in theaters and then go straight to Netflix and the U S I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you have to kind of, you know, you have to kind of take these films on a case by case basis. Like Bloodshot is not tenant and yeah. I, obviously tenant is like tenant is the closest thing like Warner brothers can get to like a surefire hit. But I also think like you can throw, you know, to get back to Hamilton, you can throw away your shot. <laughs> and yeah. I think releasing it in international territories and in select U S cities is sort of deflating, you know, to me, I can easily see a scenario where tenant kind of limps to like, you know, worldwide, like maybe 200, 250, you know, 250 million. Whereas if you had released it in 20 summer, 2021, where things are fine or better conceivably that movie easily, you know, makes 800 million <laughs> worldwide. My guess is that the movie will be, if not re-released, my guess is that the movie, like Warner brothers will make some kind of big second push. Once things mm. are finally better in the U S it'll be like, now's your chance to finally stand it on the big screen. Like it's going to be an IMAX and, you know, come and see it on the big screen. Uh, mm. You know, I think they're going to put a marketing budget behind it whenever it can get safely I, get into you. Sure. Films. I would just say that, you know, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. No, I'm just saying like, it, it feels like to me, like that's probably because I'm dubious about the select cities and U.S. Yeah. theaters release in early September. I'm thinking more of like early 2021, like in February or March. It's like, Hey, you guys want to see Tenet? So I, I've kind of been dancing around this question. I think that probably some of our, our listeners have, if Tenant is released in a theater near you this year, will you go see it? God, I mean, it depends on a number of factors. Right now, I would probably say no, but it depends on like what are the safety protocols at that theater? What is the capacity of that theater? What do the cases look like where I live? What are the cases? You know, what mm -hmm. what are things looking like right now? Right. Um, but because I mean, I'm you know. We're staying in. We go to Target to go grocery shopping, but that's pretty much it. And we wear our masks mm -hmm. when we go out there. But yeah. that obviously that's not the same as sitting in a theater for two hours. So yeah. what about you? I'll go to like a press screening where like because our, our press corps has like 20 people or something. And yeah. they can space this out. And like, you know, people aren't going to be eating anything. But like even under those circumstances, I'll be like, I'll see Tenet for me. But I wouldn't tell anyone else, go see Tenet. Yeah. I can't because I don't know what the like to me that scenario, like you just said, there's so many variables to consider. So it may be safer for someone in like Connecticut to go see tenant, but not yeah. as safe in like in like Arizona. Yeah, so. it's not a one size fits all. And, and we say all this knowing that the United States is not one like conglomerate. And some states, like you said, New York is do, are doing better than others. Um, so. We're not here to tell you exactly how to live your life, but uh... I am. I actually am here to tell you exactly oh, okay. how to live your life. <laughs> That's why people listen to the Collider podcast. Life coaching. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the, the, we have an entire podcast audience. that's like, why do they keep laughing? It's because of the, the, the Leonardo DiCaprio squinting. I keep putting up meme. the dumb picture. All right. So anything else to say about release dates? I feel like this. You know, this is you're still a crapshoot, but I, I again, I don't think we're returning to anything normal for the rest of the year. West Side Story is going to save theaters. It's, it's all comes down to West Side Story. <laughs> all comes down to West Side Story in December. Yeah. All right. Um, with that, let's move on to recently watch. What have you seen lately that you want to talk about? 
Um, well, I do want to mention that uh, based on your, uh, you talked about for your consideration recently, I, I finally watched Waiting for Guffman, which I had never seen, and I loved it. Uh, and then I revisited A Mighty Wind, which uh, you uh, recommended, and I greatly enjoyed that. So I think almost all of Christopher Guest's movies are on Hulu right now, and they're very joyous and fun, and they're only like an hour and 25 minutes, uh, so very easy, breezy watches. But something I did watch uh, fairly recently that I wanted to talk about because I found it fascinating is Gemini Man, which I finally watched. On oh, you finally watched Gemini Man. I oh, shit. Finally watched Gemini. Have you seen Gemini Man? Yeah, I have seen Gemini Man. OK, I couldn't remember if you saw it or not. Uh, it's weird. It looks like a soap opera. The story is super duper basic. Um, I don't know what Ang Lee's doing, man. Like, just, I know he, he's he, capable. Well, he got lost in crazy tech world, man. Like that happens yeah. to filmmakers. Like they just like they get way too obsessed with their toys and they just lose track of storytelling. So like for Ang Lee, this yeah. was all about like, gosh, what was this? 128 frames, some some 120 frames per second, 3D, yeah. H, you know, and and it didn't even get shown. It couldn't even be shown that way in most of the country. So you filmed it for nothing. Like to me, like that's not at that point, you're not even making a film for an audience. You're just making a test demo for yourself. Yeah. And like, so I was with it for like the first half hour. Cause it felt like kind of a pretty interesting kind of nineties throwback conspiracy mm -hmm. thriller, which it is. Cause it was written in the nineties um, by uh, David Benioff actually. Yeah. Um, and I think Billy Ray did the most recent version of the script. Uh, and Will Smith plays a hitman who is, being hunted down by a younger clone of himself. Uh, and the decision to do the clone is like a fully CG character. So it's not even mocap. It's just like they literally animated a human version of Will Smith and it doesn't look good. It still looks uncanny valley-esque. Um, it still looks weird. And it, it also it, seems unnecessary. Like it seems yeah. like, why would you make them like from a, like, I understand like sometimes like, Oh, we make the movie this way because like the Irishman, like we needed to make younger versions of these characters because the story spans 50 some odd years and nothing in Gemini, man. It's like, well, why didn't you just take a younger actor and age him up rather than trying to digitally de-age yeah. Will Smith? Like why, why yeah. like I, that, that never made sense to me. I mean, I do think the movie is a little bit fascinating as if you read it as about like Will Smith's career yes, and yes. Will Smith looking back on uh, his younger self, younger, more spry self um, and him kind of not having it or whatever it is uh, anymore, really kind of not having his mojo right now. That's the most fascinating aspect of the film. I and think. you know what? And you know what? That makes it pair well with of all movies, what? Spies in Disguise. Oh, I didn't see Spies in Disguise. That's, that's the movie where Will Smith is a pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same kind of thing where it's like, oh, I was this cool, slick guy, and now all my mojo is gone. Like, it's 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 weird that he made two films that came out in the same year about like I'm wrestling with getting older. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Mary Elizabeth, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is pretty good. Clive Owen, I didn't think was great, and I love Clive Owen. I think he's a really talented actor if given the right material. Mm -hmm. um, but the story is just kind of boring. Yeah, and again, the tech like even though it's it's now showing in 24 frames per second, the fact that it was shot at 120 frames per second in HFR makes it look weird. And by weird, I mean bad. It looks like a soap opera. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget going to see The Hobbit in HFR. And like I was like, it, I can see the set. Like, this looks like a set. This doesn't look like a movie to me. Yeah. I don't know why anyone would prefer this. Doesn't make I, the any only, sense. I would say it's like, it's great if you're making like a nature documentary where like, yes, yeah. you want it to look real and like you're there and like part of the thing. But if like, you would never want to do it on like, to sh like all it's going to do is show the artificiality of movie making. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it, one of the things I really admire about Angley is that he, he doesn't make the same movie twice. He he very much mixes it up and has been able to make all kinds of different movies and all kinds of different stories. Um, you know, Brokeback Mountain being uh, one of his, uh, I think, best. But yeah, I don't know. Jim and I, man, it, it also just seems kind of like anonymously made. Like he was so wrapped up in the tech that it didn't really matter. It no, didn't it, really matter. And that's the thing. I feel like Angley, like, and the thing is, is, Maybe he'll come back, but I feel like since Life of Pi, he's kind of gone down this this tech rabbit hole, yeah, uh, where he's losing sight of kind of the more human stories he used to make, and like, not that he's ever been like like I mean, you know, Hulk was to me Hulk is kind of even though I don't think Hulk is particularly good, it's bizarre enough to sort of have an imprint on it, like it's 
Yeah. It is very tech based with like, you have to remember like in 2003, this notion of this completely CGI animated Hulk was a big deal. Like there were some people th wondering that they would even finish the film. Like yeah. if they could, if they could pull it off and, but it's also this very weird film about like father son issues. It's just, it's so weird. Murdering um, psychopath father. Right. And like, there's nothing like even remotely interesting like that in Gemini man. No, no, it's, so. uh, you know, even for uh, like Saturday afternoon watching it on, I think it was like stars or something. I was just like, eh, this wasn't a good use of my time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I didn't feel that way about Mortal Engines. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah I had fun with that movie. Yeah. So. What? And so, but you liked uh, Waiting for Guffman? I did, yeah. 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 And it kind of like unlocks. I was like, oh, okay. Like this is what it, because my favorite Christopher Guest movie is Best in Show. And I had seen mm -hmm. every other one. I haven't seen Mascots. Um, but Mascots I haven't seen for Guffman. That's what I had heard. That's why I haven't seen yeah. it. Um, but like, it's about a group of like misfits putting on a show, mm -hmm. and that's essentially what all of his movies are about. So, right. Um, the what do your what do your eyes foresee when when uh, and, and Eugene Levy just crosses his eyes because it's <laughs> with the, uh, I mean that that pairing when you get Eugene Levy and Fred Willard together. Uh, yeah. Beautiful well, and stuff. what you said about um, a mighty wind was really like it's a really emotional movie. Mm -hmm. The um, the relationship between Eugene Levy and Catherine Harris characters uh, is super emotional, and I think that's Christopher Guest's most sentimental movie as you get mm -hmm. towards the end. Because yes. even Best in Show is committing to the silly bit the whole time. Yes. It's not it's not ever really. There's never like an emotional movie. punch. No, um, but I think it's I think that one's his funniest. That's my favorite. Yeah. Just. A the two diet. left feet gag. Yes. <laughs> Just walking in circles. They called me Loopy. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Um, so for me, uh, I recently watched Quick Change because it had its 30th anniversary this year and I had never seen it. <laughs> Again, DiCaprio pick. You've heard of Quick Change. No, I haven't. Oh, 1930. It's, it's, it's Bill Murray's only directing credit. He, direct, he co-directed it with Howard Franklin, and they wrote the script together. Um, it's the one where Is he dresses like a up. tumultuous production? Mm, not really, no. Okay. I thought um, there was a Bill Murray thing. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Continue. I mean, they originally went to Ron Howard, and Ron Howard didn't get it. And, like, Bill Murray was like, okay, so Ron Howard just doesn't know what funny things are. And eventually, like, he and Howard Franklin just kind of loved the script that they wrote so much, they decided to direct it themselves. So the plot of the film is there's this bank robbery. Ba Bill Murray is a bank robber, um, and he plans this heist. And the heist is, like, only the first 20 minutes of the movie, and the heist goes perfectly. The What happened, but from there, everything else goes wrong. Like, they're trying to get out of New York City and get to the airport so they can get out and everything goes wrong. And it becomes like kind of not a hate letter to New York city, but kind of like New York city sucks in a very specific way. <laughs> um, it kind of like leans into like, I kind of reminded me a little bit of like 30 rock, you know, like 30 rocks, like let me have your fingernails, <laughs> you know, give me like a fingernail, kind of, give me a fingernail. No. <laughs> that kind of weird, dark absurdity of New York city. That's kind of what like quick change leans into. Uh, but it's really good. It's got, also got Gina Davis and, and Randy Quaid and Jason Robards, small roles from Tony Shalhoub and, and Stanley Tucci. Um, it's a good movie. I laughed a lot uh, and I'd never seen it. I just, it had been recommended by like people I trust. And I was, I, I paid $3 to rent it cause it wasn't on any streaming service, but I immensely enjoyed it. Um, I had just had a lot of fun with it. And I think it's actually probably one of Bill Murray's better comic performances. I think it really, it, it hits that sweet spot of him sort of, before he had moved fully into drama where he wasn't phoning it in where he like, he's just, he's really in the zone on this movie. Um, and, uh, I, I really enjoyed quick change. So I recommend checking that out if you haven't seen it. Interesting. Is it streaming somewhere right now? No, no. I just, I mean, you can rent it anywhere. Like sure. you can just pay, cost $3. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, um, if you want to keep up with this podcast, you should follow us on Twitter. Adam, where can we find you on Twitter? At Adam Chitwood. You can find me at Matt Goldberg. Now, we might have a podcast later this week, a bonus podcast. We're working on that. But if not, either way, next week, uh, we asked you all to vote on what should be next week's topic. And you all chose the Oceans trilogy. So because 11 and or 12 and 13 are coming to Netflix soon, I believe. Netflix on Saturday. 
So, yeah, we wanted to talk about the Oceans movies. They're a lot of fun. They're fun to rewatch. So check those Did out. I explain and, why Oceans 12 is good, actually. Which I think isn't the first time we've done that, but I'm going to keep hammering away. Is it? it? Is it not? There's like know. hundreds of podcast episodes that have been lost to the sands of time now. There really are. And these will probably be lost to the sands. Of, it's such a weird podcast. Every time <laughs> I'm about to sit down for this podcast, I think of that that line that Aziz Ansari has on Parks and Rec. He's like, podcasts, there's a million of them and they're all amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's weird. Like, think about for a moment, like we're doing a podcast and you know who else has a podcast? Michelle Obama. <laughs> How are we supposed to compete in a world that has Michelle Obama doing podcasts? There's no way. It's impossible. Anyway, we'll be talking about Ocean's movies next week. <laughs> so tune in anyway, for that. We're talking about Ocean's 12 and Ocean's 13 next week. <laughs> I don't know what or the you first could lady listen, is talking Or you about. could listen to some, you know, okay, you could listen to some people solve a murder on a podcast. <laughs> all, half of all podcasts are just amateur sleuths solving cold cases. So it's don't that. Give away our bonus podcast. Well, man. it's either that or it's white dudes discussing movies, and we're in that category. So <laughs> that's what you get. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back with you next week. Did you know you could shop around for prescription prices? With GoodRx, you can find free coupons at over 70,000 pharmacies and save up to 80%. It's that easy. But don't just take my word for it. Dr. Adam says, I've been telling all my patients about GoodRx. Jacqueline says, my medication was $65 without insurance, but I paid $25. Aubriana says, you don't have to pay full price to live your best life. Couldn't have said it better myself. GoodRx is 100% free. Download the GoodRx app today and start saving. GoodRx is not insurance. The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for, and done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done switch to a better plan and michael i met with a local licensed insurance agent face to face and done go to myhealthpolicy.com to compare top rated medicare advantage plans in your area including zero dollar premium plans or call 1-800-GO-START that's 1-800-GO-START Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call.